السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهدي الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا ثم أما بعد I would like to talk to you about two great lessons that, import, that are very important for people living in the West especially in North America. These two important lessons are from Sulh al-Hudaybiyah. You remember Sulh al-Hudaybiyah? Okay, Sulh al-Hudaybiyah. The first lesson is that uh, on the Prophet ﷺ way to Mecca, uh, he was riding his she-camel, it's called Al-Qaswa. When they came very near to Mecca, the she-camel barakat, sat down and refused to stand up. <laughs> and and people were wondering because he it was an excellent uh, she camel, and usually bad camels do that. Uh, so uh, people said, "Khalaat uh, al-Qaswa." They used the word, uh, like uh, like like a bad word for a camel. And the Prophet defended his she camel. He said, "Ma khalaat wa ma khalaat wa ma this is not the way it behaves ولكن حبسها حابس الفيل the one who stopped it is the one who stopped the elephant from coming from going and conquering Mecca and then here comes the point that we want to to elaborate on then he said something لا يسألوني خطة يعظمون فيها حرمة من حرمات الله إلا أعطيتهم إياه If these people ask me for any matter in which they glorify يعني Allah's injunctions حرمة is difficult to translate then I will grant it Now ابن القيم wrote a long commentary uh, in his, his book uh, Zad al-Ma'ad uh, he comments on different parts of the seerah of the Prophet and his uh, commentary on what the Prophet said is what is uh, relevant for us now uh, he said that among the lessons that we learn from Hudaybiyah is that uh, if the polytheists and mushrikeen وأهل البدع كيف المشركين بأهل البدع inventors والفجور deviant people والبغاء aggressors الظلمة oppressors if any one of these asks for us to be helped in doing something which is good from the point of view Islam then you help him. You help him. He said that even if he denies other good things, don't say, and this is this is from me. Don't say uh, that this man is an oppressor. This man is muqtadir. This man. So I will not help, for example, his children to study Quran. <laughs> If he, he sends his children to you to teach them the Quran, you don't say, no, this is Shia, 
this is so so I will not uh, teach his children the Quran and he says that this is uh, very difficult for people to do because uh, people usually want things as like uh, black and white hmm? if you are, are against someone you are against him all the way <laughs> if you are with him you are with him all the way but Islam doesn't say that uh, you, you if you are with someone then if he makes mistakes you tell him that he made a mistake you don't cooperate with him in doing sins and uh, the other person uh, uh, if even if he is a kafir or as he said here fagir or fasir or munafiq or so if he does something good you help him to do that good thing uh, he said uh, the only exception is that if you, you deem that in your helping him to do this good thing the consequences will that come out of that will be the evil consequences that will come out as a result of that will be greater than the good that he asks you to do then you don't help him but this is a general rule it's a general Islamic rule that uh, you enjoin good if you think that good will come out of your uh, uh, you're enjoying it if you think that if you go and tell someone to do something good and you fear that as a result of what you tell him he is going to do something worse then it becomes your duty not to tell him uh, to do that good thing now what uh, what is the lesson for us uh, here you are living uh, among these people they are not uh, Muslims but uh, uh, you share many things with them many things are of interest to you and to them so if they ask you to cooperate with them say in drug uh, <laughs> in fighting drugs or so you don't say these are kafir I will have nothing to do with them let them mm, <laughs> Uh, drink all the wine in the world, they let them use all the drugs, let them all die, and I don't care. If they ask you to cooperate with them in preventing uh, for youth abuse, uh, violence in schools and so on, that is, that is also of interest to you. So you cooperate with them. And you cooperate with them uh, with the feeling that in fact they are helping you because it is your duty to do that good thing and now you are finding someone who is helping you to do it so you cooperate with them uh, don't say that because they are Catholics I will not cooperate with them and this is the first lesson the first lesson, uh, the second lesson which is uh, slightly longer than this one is that uh, when the Prophet ﷺ concluded Sulh uh, al-Hudaydah and went back to Medina on his way back Allah revealed to him Surah what? Al-Fatih Al-Fatih Inna fatahna laka fatham mubina We have indeed granted you a victory a clear victory 
And Sayyidina Omar said to the Prophet was it a victory? Kala Fathan said, the Prophet said, indeed it was a victory. Why did Omar ask this question? Because the terms of the agreements were apparently not in favor of the Muslims. The Muslims had gone to uh, perform Umrah, which was something of a right, even in the, the times of the Jahiliyyah. Uh, uh, the Quraysh don't prevent any Arab from coming to perform Umrah. But because they were in a state of war with the Muslims, they said, no, you can't, uh, you can't perform Umrah. And the Muslims were very angry. Uh, they thought of fighting them. But the Prophet said, no. Now, they said, they thought that if the Muslims uh, perform Umrah, perform the Umrah uh, then this will be like a victory for them. So they said, you can't do this. So, okay, the Prophet said, okay. Uh, we come next year. They said, yes, you can come next year. Now, then, uh, one stipulation in the agreement said that if someone from you, from your part, if a Muslim reneges, becomes kafir again, and comes to us, we don't send him back to you. But if a Qurayshi becomes a Muslim, and he makes hijrah to you, then you send him back to us. The Muslims said, how can we do this? But the Prophet ﷺ signed the agreement. So apparently, the agreement was not in favor of the Muslims. Then the question is, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala call it a victory? And not only an ordinary victory, but Fatha Mubina, a very clear victory. Uh, <coughs> in, uh, in, in, in his book, Fatha al-Bari, which is a commentary on al-Bukhari, uh, Ibn Hajar said, he quoted uh, another great alim called Al-Zuhri, he was one of the sheikhs of Imam Malik, and he was uh, a student of uh, uh, the sons of Ibn Umar. He was uh, one of the greatest uh, scholars uh, in the history of Islam. Now, Ibn uh, 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 Zuhri said that, uh, and, uh, and, uh, this is a translation of, uh, this is my translation of what he said. Uh, he said, no victory in Islam was greater than Hudaybiyah. Imagine, no victory in Islam was greater than Hudaybiyah. Not even Badr. Uh, it used, now why? Uh, Ibn Hayyad said because of the great consequences uh, that, that, that came from this, uh, uh, this uh, peace agreement. Now, uh, Zuhri says, it used to be only fighting when people, when people met, meaning Muslims and non-Muslims. When, when they met, they used only to fight. But when there was a truce, when the war stopped, and when people felt safe, they began to meet and talk to each other, uh, uh, to, to each other, and negotiate. As a result, no thinking person to whom Islam was presented uh, in that time, but accepted it. Then he says, the number of people who embraced Islam in those two years 
because the truce lasted for only two years. It was supposed to be ten years, uh, but it lasted only for, for two years because the Quraysh breached some of the, of the, of the terms of the agreement. Uh, the number of, uh, of people who embraced Islam in those two years was equal to or greater than the number of all who had been Muslims before. And what is the reason, he said? Because people could uh, mix with each other and, and negotiate and discuss feeling safe. There was no war. Now, Ibn Hisham, the famous Ibn Hisham, who wrote the seerah of the Prophet he concurs with what the Zuhri says and, 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 and says that the evidence for, for what the Zuhri said is that when the Prophet went to Hudaybiyah, he was accompanied by 1,400 Muslims only. But when after two years he marched to conquer Mecca, the Muslims accompanying him were 10,000. All these impressed Islam during those uh, two years. And Ibn Hajar explains, he says, because of the peace which prevailed among people, they began to mix with each other without any reprehension. Muslims recited the Quran to the policies and debated with them openly about Islam without any fear. While earlier they used to speak to them about this only secretly. Um, now, what is the lesson for us? I think that the state uh, of peace in which we, are, we find in some Western countries, especially the United States, here in Canada, and so on, is very much like that of the time of the truce. You mix with people freely, you talk to them, no one prevents you from talking to them, no one, no one says you cannot invite anyone to Islam, you can make your uh, mosques, you can, you can do it. I'm not saying this is an ideal situation, huh? but it is a situation that is very good for Dawah. So what do we do? We should not raise a hand. This, this is my advice. We should not think of war or violence at all, because this peace is in our interest. If, and, and we see, alhamdulillah, people every day coming to the fold of Islam. Uh, this is, uh, uh, and this shows you, the Sulh shows you, that war is not an end in itself in Islam. The natural state is a state of peace with people. When a prophet comes to his people, he doesn't start with fighting them. He starts with inviting them to Islam. And this is what Prophet Muhammad did. Uh, you fight only uh, when this situation changes. For example, when the Muslims were in Mecca, <coughs> Uh, how did the Quraysh treat them? Did they tell them that you are living in a democracy and then you can invite people to, uh, to Islam? So, no, they said you can't do this. You can't change the religion of our, our, our fathers. Uh, they persecuted the Muslims. They boycotted them 
until they almost starved. They banished uh, many of them from uh, their land. They ultimately thought of killing the Prophet But in spite of all this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the Muslims not to raise a hand. There is also a lesson here. When it seems that the lesson is that if you are living in some people's land as a minority and as a subject of, 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 the, of the Kufar government, you don't fight them while you are in such a state. Because the result would be that they wipe perhaps all the they would have wiped out all the, those 300, there were only 300 Muslims in Mecca. If they fought, they would have killed all of them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, don't raise a hand. Withhold your hands and pray. Don't, don't fight. Now, uh, so, but there, are, there, might be, there can be an exception, like the case of Afghanistan. If this is my land, and the kuffar come and invade the land, what do we do? Here, jihad becomes fardain, as the fuqaha say. It becomes fard on every individual Muslim, whether man or woman, uh, to fight in this case. Uh, because, what is the result? Because if, if you don't fight, then uh, the, 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 the kuffar will take your land they will make Muslims live in a state of fitna perhaps many of them were many people who are weak might become kafir they will kill all the, the good Muslims and the ulama and so on so the consequences are very bad so in this case even if all the Muslims die still it is better than to uh, give their country to the kafir but even in this case, if they find another Muslim country which says, okay, you can migrate uh, to uh, our land, and then from there we help you, and you go and fight them, still so that will be better. Because this is what the Prophet ﷺ did. They were asked to migrate. They did. When they migrated, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said أُذِنَ لِلَّذِينَ يُقَاتَلُونَ بِأَنَّهُمْ ظُلِمُوا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى نَصْرِهِمْ لَقَدِيرٌ Then the verse enumerated all the reasons uh, for giving the Muslims permission to fight the kuffar. Uh, so this is uh, 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 that the fighting is not uh, is not left just to individuals because uh, it, it concerns every, uh, every Muslim and I was here when uh, that uh, event of Oklahoma took place and I saw how the Muslims felt they lived, lived in fear because someone who claimed to be an expert came on TV and said that this is the act of a Muslim of, of a Muslim group or Muslim individual and uh, someone told me that uh, even the number of people, uh, of Muslims frequenting the, the, the masajid became, uh, became less. And I remember how all Muslims and a sigh, a sigh of relief when it was discovered 
that the perpetrators were in fact uh, Christians, uh, American Christians, and not uh, and not Muslims. Uh, that's why uh, it is also said that there was no consultation on any matter at the time of the Prophet and the Khulafa on any matter then there was consultation on matters of war because as, as I said again because war has consequences on every individual uh, so no yani, few individuals say like us here we meet in, in the mosque and so on and then uh, we say that we are going to fight the Canadian government <laughs> and, 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 and now you can of course you can make some bombs or so on even the internet will help you to do that uh, 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 but what are the consequences yeah, and you have no right you have to consult uh, to consult uh, other Muslims uh, so, so, but again does this mean that there is no war in Islam no, it doesn't mean so because I mean, Islam is a realistic religion uh, there are situations